Hey guys, this is the C3 Church Malmo podcast. I am believing God will speak to you today and that a greater level of faith will be unlocked in your life. For more information about C3 Church, go to c3malmo.se. God bless. Happy to see you all and I hope you are comfortable. Um, I'm just going to go into it. My name is, as he said, Shetil. That's Norwegian, so... Uh, uh, English is not my first language, but you will probably understand me anyway. Uh, I'm Norwegian, my wife is Palestinian, and our son is South African. So I usually say, like, we are a small family handpicked by God from three continents put together, and we live the best we can here in Sweden. Um, we've been here in Malmö for 20 years, actually, I think. Uh, yeah, 19, 20 years. And this church has been my family and my home for about 13 years, I think. Uh, I work as a therapist here in Limham. Uh, my original plan was to be a rock star and a heavy metal star. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> look at Mac sitting here. Like, every time I see you, I feel like the way you look with your beard and your long hair and your band t-shirt, that's how I feel on the inside. <laughs> so, that's good. So, anyway... Let's just go on. <laughs> um, we have started this year as a church, this new year as a church, in the, in the only way that makes sense, if you ask me. We have started this year by deliberately focusing on surrendering, focusing on we actively lay it all down for Christ. That's like there wouldn't be any other way to start a new year off, so I'm really happy for that. Uh, uh, we've heard Justin and Matthew speaking about, you know, different angles, how to live a full life. Actually, to go, let go of ambitions, let go of your own life, and find full life in him. So that's, that's the way to go forward, and that's what I'm going to speak a little bit about. And we are not a church of perfect people. We are definitely not a church of perfect Christians. Um, so if you could right now just like, you don't have to turn to your right, but you can just look judgingly to the one sitting on your left. It's like, you're not perfect. Just do that like without like, because we, we are not a church of perfect Christians who've got it all together. We are not people who try to put up a facade. You know, we are real people in this church with real life issues, struggles. Sometimes we are overwhelmed. Sometimes we are happy. Sometimes we are strong. Sometimes we are victorious. Sometimes we are stressed out and overworked. We are basically ordinary, broken, ordinary people who know that we need His grace and His transformation in our lives. And that's a strong value in this church. Emotional health, as you heard. We, we are not a people that just pretend everything is great and we are real people in a real life with a real God. So, I'm going to talk about surrendering our false self today. And all I want for you is to sit here, uh, be relatively comfortable and just be open. Just sit here and relax and just let, if there's anything God speaks to you, grab hold of it. I'm going to look at, make it simple, I'm going to look at first like this false self, we often have a, a 
identity about ourselves that is not always who we really are. Uh, number two, we're going to look at God is calling us to surrender, number to lay that down. And three, we're going to look at true self, finding a true self of being loved. So let's bring actually Matthew 16, 24, 25 just as a start. That's where we are as a church right now, together. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up the cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. It's almost like God is saying, as long as you so desperately cling to your own life, to hold in your hand your own self-image, your definition of who you are, you will never be able to embrace the full life I have for you, the full identity, who you are. I'm going to simply just define, we're going to talk, this where we're going to stay in the first point a little bit and talk about self. And this is not a study in different theories of how could you define self. This is not a psychology lecture. If only we had a course where we could like, give that time. We could call it, I don't know, emotional health or something like that. That would be great. So today I'm just going to give you a my simple definition for this, and we're going to go on. The concept of self is a general term used to refer to someone, how someone thinks about or evaluates or define or perceive themselves. How someone thinks about, evaluates, define or perceive themselves. Where does your worth come from? The core of who you are, how you define yourself. We're going to look at that a little bit at the first. Uh, a false self could be when you deliberately live, live out an image of who you are or, or, or what you want others to think you are, and it's not really who you are. <laughs> Another one would be that you live your life out of a definition about yourself that is actually not what God has defined you. So, it's, uh, And I want to say this about self. We are not defined by our past. Any one of us in here. It's not like, oh, you went through that, so you are determined to live your life like that. We simply do not believe that. That's not determined because of your past. And at the same time, it would be ignorant and it would be Naive to think that nothing has ever formed you into who you are today. The Bible is certainly not ignorant about how past, how family, how people, how experiences actually forms you. And how it affects you. And God is there all the time speaking, this is who you are. This is your worth. You belong to me, not to the world. You belong to the light, not darkness. What people meant for evil for you, I will turn to good. I will use for good. So I'm going to start. We are going to dwell a little bit about self, and it's the false self, self that are not really who we are. Uh, and I, now I'm just going to give some very general examples of how that might look. A person you might have grown up are in a family or in a setting where feelings or emotions were not something natural at all. This would be the classic man up, 
<laughs> or you fall off the bike as a kid and just, hey, that's not so bad. Just get up on the bike again. Stop crying or that kind of thing. And if that happens like 20 times, you fall off the bike 20 times and you say, hey, just get up. And you, there's no room for what you actually go through there. Then you learn, this kid, this child, learned to keep everything on the inside. You know, why should I show anything? This is weakness, you know. So even then when you are an adult and you look like you are a functioning adult, you might, you are. <laughs> you carry this with you. Now, whenever I hurt or feel something, it is a weakness. So I just keep it inside. This is just, we're just generally simply talking about this now. Uh, you can get the results you want. You can be doing the work. You can do everything. But you do not allow yourself to feel or listen to what you actually was going on on the inside. You can even bring that to church, of course. That becomes like a self, like I will not show what I feel because that's not right. You can be in church. You know, I can be part of church. I can be part of everything. But I'm going to keep my real emotions tight to my chest. I'm not going to reveal. I'm not going to show what's going on. Uh, if I show myself weak, they will judge me. Colleagues, relationship, church. You can even clothe it in Christian talking. Like, let the weak say they are strong. Rejoice always in God. And you can kind of just go into that. And that's who I am. There's nothing more there. This is just an example of you being in control. People might even go, go and say, like, wow, you're always so positive. That's amazing. Uh, but maybe that is because that's the self that you've taught, I need to show that. They could always, like if you've grown up in a setting that being sensitive or emotional was looked upon as a weakness, you learn to hide that because if people really see who I am, they will leave or they will judge me. So also in a church, you will be quite. Another thing that might, might uh, form a self Let's say you were, small, you were a kid and you were in a family that you constantly needed to be on your, on your guard. That could be growing up with a parent or an adult that was abusive or it was other things that were not right in that way. Then as a kid, as a way of surviving that as a kid, of course you would be on your guard. You would always look behind your shoulder. You would always kind of feel the room like, what can I do now? And, and is it safe? And that was probably, for all of us, that was a helpful, life-saving uh, strategy as a kid. But as an adult, it's not that helpful. But often, those things tend to linger. Then you find yourself as an adult always being on your guard. You expect that other people will hurt me. That could be relationships, colleagues, church. Like, I will be part of this church and I will do this, but I'm ready to leave. I have one foot out the door because I don't want to, you, you might fail me. You might not be the church that I really, you know, you, you're constantly on your guard. My example is you are still in control of that. It's, you have a self that you control and there's a reason for it. Just a last example for that. It's like a people or a people, a, a person growing up with not being noticed. The only thing, way you was noticed is if you did something well, if you achieved something, you come home with a grade that was good or anything like that. 
you were never just okay just being a kid, running around being a kid. You had to kind of be achieve something. That's the only time you get attention. Well done. And then the next talks. Of course, this comes along as an adult as well. Um, like, I am not interesting. I'm not worth attention or love if I do not achieve anything, if I not produce anything. So I might become the one who helps everyone else at ev all the time. I just, I don't care about myself. I just help everyone else. I just do everything. I, I, I do that, everything just to kind of have that attention or have that, like, okay, you are important. We can also clothe that in church language, you know. A lot of people say, yes, I know. I know God loves me, but I still need to have an important task. I still need to feel important. I still need to do something. I need to have a platform. So it's, yeah, I know God loves me. That's great. But I want to prove something. I want to show something. It could be like that. And I've lived a long life. <laughs> I still have some years left in me. So... That came out wrong, but anyway. Um, but you would be, or you would be surprised how many also leaders, like church leaders or church organizational leaders who have this constant striving of being good enough or being like produce, achieve something to, to, to kind of just, I need to prove my worth. That could be even just being with God. It could be a huge thing. Just being still, being quiet, alone with God could be really difficult. Because who am I then? You know? Strive to be worthy, to prove yourself. The Bible, you see, when, that was just some example. In the Bible, when Moses was called, his first thought was like, oh, I'm unworthy. I'm inadequate. I'm really insecure and God had a different self for him and he called him Gideon not Gideon there but the Gideon in the Bible now oh I come from the weakest family in town now he was like concerned of what do I come from what has formed me and God has something else we are still in the first point by the way we're talking about self and you might sit here right now feeling left out because you had actually had a great and secure upbringing that would be so strange, but you might actually feel left out. Do not despair, my friend. There is room for you in this. You don't have to have like a difficult past or trauma or what to adopt a false sense of self. We are all living in a fallen world. We are all lost without God. Uh, sometimes we simply just get entangled in ourselves. <laughs> If that makes sense. We, what we expect from ourselves, what we think others expect from us, that's a huge thing. Life didn't turn out the way we thought just because life is what it is. For me, I probably have one of the most safe, non-dramatic upbringings. And I actually know what I'm talking about because I listen to a lot of uh, stories there. In my family, that was a whole family I didn't have a lot of trauma or drama. I did, I did not need strategies to kind of survive my family. I was actually okay. <laughs> I was safe. 
Of course, I have experiences that have formed me also in a negative way. There are themes in my family that has been helpful looking at. Like, sarcasm is not always the answer to everything. <laughs> I'm just saying. Uh, but that was actually, going through this course helped me look a little bit like, aha, there's themes that have, have affected me sometimes that I fall back on and I need to just, whoa, that's not me. There was a time as a Christian when I went after school, I went to, uh, to, a, to a mission school, that I had a quite long period. I, my identity as a Christian was that I was so on fire for God. I was the one who was preaching, and, and, it, and it was amazing. It is amazing. You should, we should all be on fire for God. But there was a time where that was, became my identity. Uh, I went on a three-year mission preaching school. That's also where I met my wife. That's, that, was, that was really good. I got a lot of experiences there that still affects me, like with miracles, seeing demons being set free, and Amazing things. Um, but actually, to be on fire for God became my identity. I was up five o'clock every morning praying for two hours, kind of making sure that someone knew that I was doing that, because that felt, felt even more like, yeah, they, I'm up, I've been up since five praying. Like, um, and then a friend started praying, praying 4.30, and then it didn't feel that important. <laughs> so something was wrong, obviously. I was, on the, I was on the streets, stopping people, talking about Jesus, knocking doors. And I'm not saying that this is wrong. I actually not. I'm not saying that, like, oh, that was wrong. Amazing stuff happened, like on the streets, in the bus, you know, a lot of things. But what I say, why I mention it like this is that became my identity. Let's say you have a gift of prayer and interceding. God has called you to that. We need you. We need that in our church. But just watch out so it doesn't become who you are, that you need to be this person. That's your identity. That's what I'm talking about. Um, and for me, it started to sneak in a subtle tone of judgment a little bit because I actually felt like, wow, I'm so much more on fire. I'm so much more passionate than the others. I didn't say it, but I started to kind of look at the others around me, like, oh, you are just like regular Christians. And I'm happy to be regular Christians, that's enough. But it started to come with judgment. So I'm going to stop there. We are now going to keep that up. That was the first point I wanted to make. Like, there are reasons for why we have a self, and we often identify in that. We're going to look at my point number two, surrender, the point surrender. In the midst of our everyday chaos or harmonic lives, if you have that, uh, everyday struggles, God is there speaking to you and me, surrender, let go, I have something better for you. And I would say, like, surrender, like, willingly letting go of the wheel. Willingly letting go of my control. Also about how I think and define myself. Do not, do not be in charge. I actually, to give up my rights, 
Interesting, if I give up my rights to define myself, I also give up my right to hit myself when I feel like an idiot. <laughs> I also give up the right to call myself stupid when I feel like I failed, because either I give it up or I, not, or I keep it. There's one, maybe we can have that on the screen, um, um, definition on surrender, if that is possible. Or I can just read it. One definition of surrender that I like is accepting that the battle has been won, not on your terms. And you are willingly giving your life over to the authority on the winning side. Accepting that the battle has been won, not on your terms. Willingly give up your life to the authority of the, of the winning side. If I willingly choose to surrender something, lay it down, stop holding it, it's all in. It has to be all in. That's the definition of surrender. If I surrender but I keep what I think I have the right to keep, I kind of surrender some things, but I keep my right to, to, to define myself, to judge myself or others, or to feel better than others, or I'm just worthless. I just, if I keep that, I'm not surrendering. A surrender is all in, like with everything. You also give up your right to be mean to yourself <laughs> if you actually surrender. So that was just like, I wanted to look at surrender. We're going to go back and look at the true self. We started looking a little bit about like how could we often we define ourselves or being defined in a negative way. God is saying surrender. And we're going to look at the true self, who we actually are. I mentioned that I had a period when I had my identity in being a certain kind of Christian. I would say, or a believer, that I was like, I was the one on fire all the time. And I, again, nothing wrong. <laughs> I was on fire, and I feel like I am on fire. But that was my identity. It was important for me that others saw me as that person. It, it didn't get too far, because God pulled the carpet underneath my feet. If that's, He just stopped that. And that was about the self, how I, de I, how I defined myself. Who am I? And I'm just going to mention this quickly and move on because this could be five messages. But it was God spoke to me about the cross. You know, you are crucified with Christ. You are not an enhanced version of your older self. Like, oh, you're just on fire for God and then you become a little bit better. It was just painfully clear to me that God spoke to me like, I am a sinner. The only way for me is to die. And I don't have to die because Christ died for me. That's where the whole, like, died with Christ. The book of Romans, all this just came into my life. And the point was God was speaking to me. It's not what you do. It's not how you define yourself. I have done everything for you. I define who you are now since you have given your life to me. And then, get to the point. Then it dawned on me. Then God spoke who I really am. That I am 
loved by God. Period. That's it. That's what God, you are my beloved. I love you. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. But I have to, no, stop. You are loved by me. And I was, yes. And then I had, no. God was like, no, that's it, actually. You are loved. That's who you are. And was God saying, like, take it in. Immerse yourself in that. Let's look at this. Let's keep looking at this, our true self. Let's bring the Apostle John into it. Give him some room. First John 4.19. Don't jump just to that. We love because he first loved us. He's actually saying a lot in those words about identity. We love others because he first loved us. And we do love as a church. You know, we want love to be active. Love is an active thing. It has hands and feet. Uh, it's action. You know, it's calling people. It's meeting people. It's inconvenient. It's practical. It's helping out with things. It's, it's, a, it's sometimes very spiritual where we just pray together. But it's active. Love is active. And we do a lot because we are a church who want to love. That's a value in our church, to love people well. It's not just words and emojis. We want to love well. We want to be practical with our love. But why? Why? Because God then will be happy with us. Or so that the people around us will be impressed? Or for us to feel good enough or worthy enough? No. Because he first loved us. It is the invading, beautiful love of God that first changes our hearts and identifies us as being loved. That make us capable of loving others. John are here saying that this is who we are. It's an identity. It's a self. How you define yourself. He first loved me, so I love others. This is touching on our core identity, who we are. And then what we do, not the other way around. If I do a lot, then I will feel like this. And then God will think that, No. And I actually want to look a little bit more at the one who wrote this, John the Apostle. Everything points to him being the same author of uh, the Gospel and the book of John. Who was this man who actually wrote this, we love because he first loved us? Interesting thing, how we talk about ourselves, how you refer to yourself, how you talk about yourself, self-talk, if that's... Um, often says a lot about your own identity, how you talk about yourself. Uh, that might be, I'm the best person in the world, or I'm hopeless. Ah, that's so typical me, I always do this. The way you kind of keep talking to yourself. Oh, I hope they don't find out who I really am, because then I will be 
they don't know, but I don't know anything. All these kind of things you talk about. And I love this. John actually refers to himself in the gospel five times. Five times he kind of between the lines, almost like it's just, like it's just there. He kind of actually referred to himself. I find that, yeah, follow me with that because that's really interesting. It's almost like a Freudian slip for him, like, oh, that's who I am, like between the lines. And when I saw how John the Apostle, and I see him as a man that needs grace. I don't see him as something that was, he was a man just like us, but he was chosen. When I see, when I saw how he actually, between the line, casually referred to himself, it actually changes everything for me in this God was doing like who you are, your identity, yourself. And I was like, God, is this really how I can define myself? Can I, can I actually talk about myself like this, like the way John do? And God was, yes, you can. And finally, you are there. Finally, you get it. Uh, can we get John 21, 20 on the screen? So, I, like I said, five times, he kind of accidentally shows us how he defines himself. And this is just one example. Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. Sometimes we just read that. But this is what I mean. He referred to himself. Not as a hopeless case. Not as a, just a... He refers to himself as the one Jesus loved. It's actually how he referred to himself. And I want to give you this, just, I'm just going to read it totally out of context. Just read through them. I can give them to you afterwards if you want the words. But I just want to make that point, how he actually talks about himself. So I'm just going to say, chapter 13, 25. He says, one of his disciples, whom Jesus loved, was reclining at the table at Jesus' side. He writes in chapter 19, 26, when Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom, whom he loved standing nearby, he says to his mother. This is how he, he defined himself. John 20, verse 2. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. And said to them, they have taken the Lord. Chapter 21, 7. That disciple whom Jesus loved, therefore said to Peter, it's the Lord. And then we have this 21. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved. And I'm praying, God, please, God, help us here. Come right now with your Holy Spirit in this room. Help us see this. Help us see how to define ourselves. He didn't build up to a major point. He didn't say, like, I'm better than the other ones. He loves me more. He was basically just saying how he was defining himself. This is me. This is my true self, he says. And John Piper, of course, has something to say about this. Uh, he say, perhaps this is John's way of saying my most important identity is not my name, but me 
being loved by Jesus, the Son of God. John is not trying to rob anybody else of this privilege. He is simply just exulting in it. I'm loved. I'm loved. I'm loved. That's who I am. I loved by Jesus. Think about that. How he referred to himself. How his self-talk. How he defined himself. How do you define yourself? When you speak about yourself, when no one is listening, how do you... Think about yourself when you are alone with your thoughts, comparing yourself. Today we are talking about surrendering a false self, embracing your true self. Last Sunday after lunch, uh, me and my wife Summer went with Francis and Joyce and had a lunch. And it was fun if someone asked, what did you do last Sunday? I would say, if I would say, yeah, I... I was with Joyce, Francis, no, I'm, I'm going to tell what happened. Joyce, Francis, Kara, Summer, Samuel, and the one Jesus loved. We went to a wonderful restaurant. This is what he does. <laughs> That's how he referred to himself. And it's not to exclude anyone. John is writing lots about how God loved people. He names them by name. So it's not like he loves me more. It's just how he chooses to define himself. I'm going to be a little bit more about my journey here. To me, uh, this is how I look at myself. This is how I truly define myself. I didn't see this and just started to pretend or, or just claim it in Jesus' name. This is what I want to be. Or I just prayed it like 13 times every day. I'm loved. I'm loved. I, I didn't like that would be just going in another self to just take control. I actually felt like this was kind of melting my heart, and it keeps doing that. Uh, I surrend to surrender my view of myself, who I define myself, and how I think other defines me. That I am loved, and I'm not even pretending to say this because it sounds like a thing you should say in a church. This actually changed everything. And I find rest in this. This has become my home, who I actually am when I think about myself. I actually think that I am, when I say the one, I mean we are all the one. I am the one Jesus loves, and that's actually what I feel. I don't think he loves me more than anyone else. <laughs> I just generally feel in my soul that that's what he says. That you are my beloved. And I have days where I feel anxious. I have days where I feel overwhelmed, stressed out, out of balance, strained. Not the best dad or husband in Sweden. Maybe in Norway, but not in Sweden. Um, <laughs> But the actual base under that is a sense of I am God's beloved. And it's a huge rest in that. Life gets to me, of course it does. But when I am alone, when everything gets still, and for some people that is the worst when everything is still and you're not occupied, because then you're alone with your thoughts. But what I feel when everything gets still, what actually goes on in the depth of my soul is Jesus really loves me. That's who I am. I am loved. 
Not out of like, now I need to pray that into existence. Now I just, that's who I am. I'm kind of breathing that. That's myself. We're talking about true self. That is how I define myself. And I'm, I'm not looking for anything else out of that to feel more important. That's who I am, actually. And out of that place of actually feeling that's who I am, I'm loved. Out of that place, I face my day. Sometimes do great things. Sometimes fall on my face and just embarrass everyone. Uh, but it's out of a place of actually being secure. God loves me. That's who I am. Uh, we can actually have the band come up. Um, what I would need to do is a little bit what actually Ulf mentioned. Like I need to sometimes just stop and pause and just breathe for a while and take it in. Oh, wait a minute. Here I am going on in a pattern that I'm actually, this is not who I am. I need to stop, breathe, just invite God into it and just be reminded I am his beloved on a personal deep level. Sometimes I need to get hurt a little bit just to come back to that. Sometimes I need to repent from things, but that's the base. That's actually who I am. If I thought that I somehow deserved to feel like this, I would never talk about it like that. Because that would be saying like, oh, I, this is what I've come to. This is what I've discovered in my own it's the opposite. It's because I'm, I have nothing to do with me. So I'm boasting in his love. I'm boasting and shouting it out because of him. This is how I can define myself. And there is incredible rest in this. And that's what I would just want everyone just to, to be in the presence of God right now. I just want to Say, like, surrender the burden. Surrender the burden of living up to a false sense of self. Give up that control. To keep on trying to wear the right masks at the right moments in life is truly exhausting. Like, who am I supposed to be in this situation? Who am I supposed to be here? To kind of be, be in charge of holding those masks, that's really exhaustive. Who am I supposed to be now? What if they... And how many identities of false self or, or defense mechanism do we walk around with? Like how, what I expect from myself, what I think others expect from me. You know, my, look, I'm the happy one. I'm always the happy one. Then I just say, like, there's no room for anything else. I need to live up to that mask. <laughs> I'm the strong one. I'm always strong. And you even hear that, like, oh, you are so strong. At the same time, that's something you control because then you have, that's who you need to be all the time. I'm the big leader. I'm the helper who always helps. Um, I'm weak if I don't prove my worth. I'm worthless. I'm a fake. All these things. What God is saying in Matthew, what we started with, surrender this. Decide to surrender this. He who loses his life will find it. When God calls you to lay down yourself, it's not to be hard on you, but he joyfully wants you to find life, your true worth, your rest where you have nothing to prove. What focus is on being 
instead of doing. And that is often a process. It often is because God does things deep. He doesn't just do it on the surface. Like boom, ah, everything is great. He wants to go deep. He wants to help you look at things and, and, and transform things in a deep level. So that's why I want to encourage everyone to just start to decide again for that. Like, I'm going to surrender to that. Start in your connect if you are comfortable talking about these things, praying about this thing. Join this course that we are going to start where we actually give time to look at these things. Uh, can we have Matthew 16, 24, 25 on the screen, the message version, if we have that? Perfect. Then Jesus went to work on his disciples. Anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat. I am. Don't run from sufferings. Embrace it. Follow me and I'll show you how. Self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way, my way, to finding yourself, your true self. Do we have that picture of the beloved picture? Yeah, I just want that if you can see that. So we're ending this now. And I want you to look at that image if you can see that. Just see if God speaks anything to you. Just, yeah, I'm not going to say anything. And of course, in this church, we believe in seeking God. We believe in His presence. We believe He's here right now. So I just want to say that as we continue with the song, I am your beloved. So we're continuing in this. If you are here right now and you feel like something in this actually resonates with me, you know, the act of surrender, I, I, this resonates, something in this spoke to me. You are free. You are free to do whatever you want. You could sit still and just decide something in your own, pray on your own, but we are a family. You could come and someone else could pray for you because sometimes it's, it's important to take a step and just kind of show with your entire body that this is, I'm responding to this. Not for us, but for you and God. So if there's anything in this that you feel like, oh, I see this, I just need it, I just need to be reminded, I just need to surrender and seek my way and give that to God, give that process to God. Or I want to surrender, I just need to surrender again. That's me, I need to surrender again and again. Or if you feel like this has actually reminded me who I am. My true identity, I long to have that true identity as being loved. If you feel something that, then you, then you would need to respond to that, to be part of that. And that's why we encourage you to do as well. All right, I'm going to leave that to, to the worship and to, to Matthew from there. Amen.